We are perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm, and the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? These are the very words of the Lord. We go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you in your son's Jesus' name. Uh, thank you uh, for this uh, word. Father God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I uh, pray that you would uh, move me out of the way, and I pray that you will be elevated. I pray that you will spend, send uh, just your ministering angels to our hearts. I pray that you would encourage us where we need to be encouraged and challenge us and spur us along where we need to be challenged, Father God. Soften our hearts. Uh, Father God, speak to us by way of your Holy Spirit. It's in your mighty sons, Jesus' name, that we pray. Amen. Well, uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It is uh, very good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. As a matter of fact, First Presbyterian Covington was the last church that I actually stepped foot in uh, after, uh, after the quarantine. So it's very good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Um, before I go any further, uh, Matt, I'm going to make sure I'm not... Well, we, we, we skipped the Lord's Prayer and the special music, but we don't have to have the special music. The Lord's <laughs> I, want, I, don't want to go too, I don't want to go too far into this, so that's something else. I don't want to take a step back and let it keep going. I don't want to. Okay, would you leave us in the Lord's Prayer? All right. Uh, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. All right. Hadn't been in church in a while. It's good to be back. See you soon. <laughs> Y'all, I'm going to sing uh, two songs out the Psalter. Uh, these songs uh, were brought out and actually singing out of the Psalter uh, when a minister at Second Presbyterian died, Kim Russell. Uh, George Robertson uh, had a little podcast about the uh, his death and about his history, I guess, of growing up and really knowing the Psalms very well because he grew up in the Reformed Presbyterian Church where they sang the Psalter exclusively. So he had memorized many, many, or I guess maybe all the Psalms. Uh, I knew Tim, but not very well. I ate lunch with him once. Um, but one thing that uh, when they met, um, he had asked... Uh, Tim quoted to him Psalm 126, which will be the psalm that I'll sing first. And then he asked uh, uh, George to, to read Psalm 98. Not that he needed to have those read, but uh, because of the strengthening and the building up and the praise of God. It reminds me a little bit about, you know, we commit 
not as much as need to, but scripture to memory and songs to memory that we have them when we, when, when we don't have our Bible that we unfortunately take for granted. I think about Nels Tanner, who was nine years at a uh, Vietnam, Vietnamese prison camp. For those nine years, the only thing he had were, was the catechism that was memorized, the scriptures that he had memorized, and the songs that he had remembered. Um, so y'all, uh, I'll start off with Psalm 126.
judge the world with equity and righteousness displayed. Well, we certainly didn't want to miss that. Amen. Well, uh, once again, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, and happy Father's Day. Again, I know it's already been said, but happy Father's <coughs> Day uh, to all of the fathers. And even as we reflect on those fathers who aren't with us, we're grateful for them uh, as well. And I want to thank Scott again for inviting me out to worship with you all. Man, it really is a privilege and a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. Like I was saying at first, uh, First Press Covington was actually the last church that I stepped foot into uh, um, in, in early March. And so this is the first time I've been in church since then. So it's just really a sweet moment uh, for me to be here with you guys. Um, Ashley and I appreciate you all and love you all. We're plus one now, as I said last time I was here. So we're with child, we're pregnant, uh, and expecting our baby girl to be here in October. So we're just uh, celebrating with you all this morning. And once again, it's just a blessing to be here. Uh, let's, let's go before our king in prayer one more time. Uh, Father God, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus' name, just thanking you for today. pray that you would be made much of in this place uh, and elevated uh, through, the, through the preaching of your word, Father God. As I said earlier, move me out of the way, God. Uh, speak through your word, illumine the text. God, uh, speak to us where we need to be spoken to uh, and, and, and just be with us at this time. We desire your presence and we already feel you and are experiencing you. Uh, now, it's in your mighty son's Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. A maximum speed of 173 miles per hour. Uh, 400 miles wide. Uh, a storm surge of 28 feet. Uh, the city of New Orleans was 80% underwater after Hurricane Katrina had finished tearing through the city, uh, leaving behind a death toll of 1,800 people and some 700 people uh, never to be found again and gone unreported. It has been called the perfect storm. The perfect storm. Jesus told his disciples that in this world you will have trouble. Uh, you might not experience a hurricane uh, at the magnitude of Hurricane Katrina, like a Category 5 hurricane. But you and I will experience hard times. You and I will experience challenges. The Bible is very clear that the rain falls on the just and unjust. As long as you and I live in this fallen world until our Lord and Savior comes back one day, we will experience the conditions that come along with living in a fallen world. Nobody's immune to it. So, so either you are in a storm at this current moment, uh, either you are about to go into a storm in this moment, or, or, or maybe you, you're walking out of a storm, which leads us to the point there are times when discipleship involves following Jesus through a storm. There are times where our discipleship on our journey with Jesus that we will have to follow Jesus through a storm. Uh, he, he, might have just, he might allow that storm to happen. Uh, we might produce the storm on our own, through our own uh, sin. 
But regardless of the fact, there's no escaping the fact that our discipleship, our clinging to Jesus and saying that we're going to be his followers in this world, there, there are going to be times where it involves following Jesus through a storm. As we come to our text this morning, I just want to set some of the context for us because we're going to see the, the disciples going through a storm in just a moment. Before they, before they get into that storm, uh, Jesus is kind of laying out the cost of discipleship. He, he, he's been gaining a lot of fanfare in the region. He, he, had, a, he had a lot of fame. Uh, he, he was well-liked and well-known for his, uh, his ability to heal and his ability to teach. Uh, and he was doing all of these great things. He was turning water into wine. He, he was the man. Uh, if this was the modern day social media era, he would have had millions of Instagram likes and follows. Every, everybody was liking him. There was a, there was a ton of, of fanfare. Uh, so much so uh, that one guy walks up to him, uh, and this is Matthew chapter 8, verses 19. A guy walks up to him and says, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. After all of the fanfare, after all of the excitement, he says, Jesus, I will, I'm signing up today. I will follow this man. Did you see what this man just did? The guy's arm just grew back. I will follow this man wherever he goes. And so at this moment, Jesus, Jesus, this is when you can capitalize on your movement. People are following you. People like you. You can, you can build that big uh, mega church, Jesus. This is, you, can, you can make it happen. You have all of this momentum. What are you going to do with it? And Jesus replies to this guy like this. At the height of his fame, at the height of his, uh, his, his name being liked among the people, he says, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And basically Jesus is saying that following me won't always be comfortable. This seems like a fun moment now. But following me, you're going to have to go through some paths of uncertainty. Uh, following me, you, have to, you might have to let go of your idols of security and comfort. He, he's calling them to something higher than this conditional discipleship. He, he, he's calling them to a wholehearted surrender of their lives to Christ through the ups and the downs. So he said, basically, a fox has a comfortable and predictable life. A bird has a comfortable and predictable life. But if you're going to be a disciple of mine, you won't always have that. Are you still in? Are you still in? Not quite the way to, go, to grow a crowd, Jesus. In verse 21, another disciple walks up and approaches him and says, Jesus, I want to follow you too. And he says, uh, but, but, but Jesus, I have to follow you on my own terms. Uh, in verse 21, it says, Lord, another of his disciples said, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Now, it's Father's Day, and we can, we can resonate with that. We can sympathize with that, right? This guy's basically saying, Jesus, I want to follow you, but first let me go bury my father. But that wasn't necessarily a statement of love or endearment to his father. Essentially, in that time period, when, when, when a person's father died, their father would leave an inheritance. So essentially, he's not saying that for the good of his father. He's saying it for the good of himself. He's saying, basically, let me get my finances in order. I got this big inheritance coming. Once I get that, Jesus, then, then I will follow you. And, and, and so what, what does Jesus say? Once again, all this fanfare, he can, he can grow his megachurch if he just says what the people like. And, and in verse, 23, I mean, verse 22, Jesus says, follow me. 
and leave the, the, the dead to bury their own dead. All right. All of the church growth consultants will put their hands on their forehead and say, Jesus, you're messing it up. You're turning people away. This is not the way you're going to grow this crowd. You're never going to get the big, big church like, like this. But Jesus was essentially telling this guy that those who are spiritually dead worry about the matters of this world, like, like finances and things of that nature. Uh, and he's basically, he was basically letting his disciple know that this world is passing away, and I'm leading people to life in me. Follow me as this world fades away. Don't try to hold on to it too tightly. See, friends, it's easy to follow Jesus when he's doing the miracles, when everything is going right, when the bank account is full, and when everything is fair and well. But what about when the storm comes? And storms will come. Storms are these seasons of intense trials and suffering. As a matter of fact, right now in this world that we're in, we're finding ourselves in a collective storm, a storm that all of us can feel. It's, it's, it's touching a little bit of everything. And so, uh, verse 23, and this is after the disciples had just heard Jesus give these talks, They've just heard Jesus lay out the cost of discipleship, so they get it. They know that this isn't easy. They, they probably have it intellectually, but Jesus is about to have them experience this experientially because they've just been told the cost of discipleship, but now they're about to experience it. It says in verse 23, And when he got into the boat, the disciples followed him. And behold, in verse 24, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But hear this about Jesus. But he was asleep. Here we see Jesus' full humanity on display. He's fully man, fully God. The God who created the universe is now taking a nap in his humanity. And his disciples are terrified because they think that he is uh, not present or, or unable to come to their aid. And so Jesus is asleep. The storm is raging. Can you, can you hear the lightning? Can you see the thunder? Can you hear the wind howling, the boat tossing uh, back and forth? And this wasn't a small storm. This wasn't uh, partly cloudy with a chance of rain. This was uh, what is called a seismos. Uh, Matthew used uh, this, this word in the Greek, a seismos. A seismos can be described uh, as, as an earthquake or a shaking. It was a huge storm. Uh, so as we said, the winds are howling, the thunder is, is, is rolling, and Jesus is asleep. These are men who were used to being on the, sea, on the sea. These were fishermen. And so for these men who were usually confident in their own skills and their own ability and their own strength, all of a sudden they are brought to the end of themselves. These are people that are usually confident on the sea, confident on their strength, but now they have been brought to a place of dependence. Now they are forced to be dependent on, on, on God. There are times when discipleship involves following Jesus a storm and can I be honest I don't necessarily like storms I, I do not like them I have never liked them even as a kid I didn't like them I was a kid that ran in my parents room or under the under the bed during the storms right so I I, I don't I don't like storms uh, but in this in this life Jesus has promised us that they will come and so we shouldn't be surprised 
when they come. And I shouldn't be surprised when they come. Which leads us to our next point. Every storm has a purpose. Every storm has a purpose. Well, how do we know that? Well, Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for the good of those who, are ca- who love God and are called according to his purposes. So that is all things. All things, including the storms that we experience, have a, pers- have a purpose. Nothing happens outside of the will and the sovereignty of God. Nothing, not a molecule, not a breath that is given nor taken, not a raindrop, not a ray of sunlight happens outside of the will and the sovereignty of our, of our God. And our trials may appear to be chaos. They, they may appear to be off of the leash, but a storm is controlled chaos, believe it or not, in the hands of our God. Nothing happens outside of the sovereignty of our Lord. And so, uh, verse 25, it says, And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. Save us, save us. We, we are perishing. Can you, can you imagine what that must have felt like and looked like in real time? Everybody's wet, their beards are soaked, and clothes are soaked, and they're trying to wake, Hey, Jesus! And he's probably this is playing out how this must have went. He, he, they're trying to wake up. Can you imagine trying to wake up Jesus? They're trying to wake up Jesus, and he's like, Huh? Wake, and it's like, Wake up! The wind, the wind is so loud to can't hear him. Uh, we, we're perishing. What, what, who's embarrassing? What's embarrassing? No, we are, we are perishing. The disciples are in utter panic. They're not just a little nervous. They are, they are losing hope. They are breaking down. Anybody ever been there? The storm is just so violent that they're, they're starting to break down. Then Jesus responds in verse 26 with a question. And this is a question that we need to ask ourselves sometimes. It's a very introspective question. Uh, It's a question that I would even encourage you to write down if you're taking notes and meditate on it this week. And here it is in verse 26. Jesus asked them. He he asked them this question. He says, why are you so afraid? Can you imagine that? You're in the middle of the storm. All of this is happening. In my mind, I'm kind of rationalizing. Well, I think I should be afraid, Jesus. But Jesus asked them, why? Are you so afraid? The storm, the storm is big, yeah. The storm is violent, yeah. But the truth of the matter is this, and this is for us as well. Uh, he still loves us, and he's still in control. That's what's true. Even when the wind is howling and the, the thunder is rolling, he still loves us. He's still in control. He still loves us. He's still in control. Uh, Friends, as long as those two things are true, there is no storm that you and I have to be afraid of. Uh, Now, does this mean that we're going to survive every storm? Uh, Not necessarily. Uh, One day we all are going to have to face uh, the storm uh, of death. But even when death takes us, he still loves us. He still is in control. Uh, a scholar by the name of Daniel Doriani put it like this. I'll read a quote from him, from him. He says, certainly the Bible does not say that if we simply have enough faith that everything will turn out as we wish. When an infant dies at birth, when a young man dies of a heart attack, when a young woman dies of cancer, it seems to defy all of our efforts to make sense of events. Yet, at the end of this life, 
the Lord will reveal all that we need to know. His decisions will make sense. Every storm has a purpose. Let's continue in, in that passage. And Jesus says, why are, you af- why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? You of little faith. He didn't say you of no faith. He didn't say you of great faith. Uh, but these guys are being stretched. The little faith that they have is being stretched in this moment. He, he's revealing something on the inside of them. He's preparing them. He's strengthening them and developing them. And sometimes the storm out there exposes the storm in here. And so when we experience this out here, it riles stuff up on the inside of us and exposes fear, doubt, and anxiety. And God is wanting to calm both storms ultimately. And ultimately we know one day, someday, he will calm every storm. But he's definitely always doing something a little more than what we can see. Uh, with these disciples, they were going to have to. They were going to have to experience so much more in the future. They were going to be tested and challenged so much, and so often God is doing something on the inside of us, sanctifying us, making us more like Himself, strengthening our faith. And we can't really sing how great is our God if God doesn't bring us through anything great. If that makes sense, He has to. He, he has to show Himself great, and sometimes He does that through bringing us through. Storms. Uh, the storm is often a classroom and a test. Uh, but this leads us to our last point of the day. Every storm has an expiration date. Every storm has an expiration date. Uh, discipleship involves following Jesus through a storm. Every storm has a purpose, but also every storm has an expiration date. Let's see as the story continues in verse 26. It says, Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. (laughs) Just like that. He arose, rebuked the sea. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Just stop everything that was just so terrifying just a moment ago. Rebukes the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled and said, What? sort of man is this that even the winds and sea obey him and just like that with the storm over uh, the, the, the understanding of who, of who Jesus is in the hearts and minds of his disciples is beginning to increase they're beginning to understand who God is a little bit more and a little bit more through their time through their time with him. And Jesus is ultimately saying that I am God. That's what he's letting his disciples know. I am God. I have control over nature. I have control. They've seen him cast out demons. I have control of the spiritual world. I have control of the physical world. He's letting his disciples know that I am God and that he is with them so that they can have confidence that he is with them. The, We've said it already, but the world that you and I find ourselves in uh, at this moment finds ourselves, we find ourselves in a colossal storm, an economic storm, uh, health, businesses being lost, people being sick, people are afraid of being sick. I think for me, one of the hardest things for the season has been going to the grocery store at the beginning, back in March, when people just, I just didn't like seeing people be afraid. That did something to me, just even seeing people be afraid. And so it's just been a heavy, heavy season, uh, culturally, socially, 
uh, battles between ethnicity and, and race in public, it's been a storm. It's, it's been a real storm. And if, and if we're not careful, it, it will, it, it, we will allow it to discourage us and, and drown us and, and pull us in. Uh, and, and when you and I are in this storm, we need to hold on to something stable. And, and even for me, as I think about just all that's going on in the world around us, it's, it's a lot healthier to spend time in the Word and not on the latest media headline because it will drive you. It will cause the storm in here to, 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 to be just as bad as the storm out there. And I can have to be honest, it's a fight for me. It's a fight to meditate on the Scripture and not on my Facebook time. It's a fight to meditate on God's promises and not the promises of man. It's a fight to trust in God's goodness and not in my own limited sense of righteousness. But here's what you and I can be confident in. Even when we grow weary of trying to hold on to him, he is still holding on to us. You might fall apart during this storm and during this season, but he will not. He will not. And you can find confidence in the fact that he is in control and this storm will pass. This storm has an expiration date, but your God does not. And as we close, Jesus passed through life's ultimate storm, a storm called death, he was crucified and buried, but he ultimately rose three days later, <laughs> proving his power over our greatest enemy. And we can have confidence in the fact that there is no storm too big for our God. He is in control of all of creation. He will outlast coronavirus. He will outlast anything that you and I are going through, our God is greater still. So when everything is falling and the winds and the waves are blowing, let's cry out to him. He will never leave you nor forsake you, especially not in the storm. Let's go before our Lord and pray. Father God, God, uh, we try to fight and hold on. But it gets, it gets hard, God. This, this, you promised us in this world we would have trouble. I pray that you would strengthen our hearts. God, focus us on you. God, there, there's so many voices in the world. There's so many interpretations of everything that's going on. Father God, fix our hearts and our minds on your word and allow us to hear that still, small voice. Uh, show us what it means to be salt and light uh, during this season. Let your people look peculiar in a good way to the world in this season. And in this storm, God, I pray that you would give us peace uh, and confidence in you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Share with all those who are baptized. 